Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 197. And this again sees another return of a previous guest, Tom Little, now head of performance at Sheffield United, is back on the podcast for this week's episode. Tom comes on and we discuss his new role at Sheffield United. We spoke about the approach he's taking going into that new role as well as head of performance. We gave a little time to reflect on his eight years, I think he said, at Preston as well. And then any changes that he's made to his approach going into uh, the role at Sheffield United as well. Then we also talk about his brand new book, which is out to purchase now. That is called The Colour Fit Method, and I do recommend people to go and check it out because, like I mentioned in the podcast, it's of the highest quality and really beneficial for everyone, not just players, not just coaches, literally anyone, because it's uh, there's plenty of recipes and education on nutrition that many, many people can benefit from. So make sure you go and check that out, and I'll put the link in the show notes for you to go and get the copy of the book as well. We also reference his previous episode. So Tom was on the podcast back at episode 24. We spoke about a few different things on that podcast, but he touched on a little bit more around why Colour Fit was created. And then an area that I've referenced quite a bit on other episodes is Tom went into managing the microcycle and how he has to be adaptive in his approach. So it was a little bit more around his role at Preston at the time. So I do encourage you, if you've not listened to that episode or it's been a while since you have, which it probably has if that's the case, go and check it out. Just search for episode 24 of the podcast and Tom is on there. This intro is going to be quite short today because we're going to get straight into the podcast. I just want to say a big thank you before we get into it to our sponsors and enjoy episode 197. Rezzo is the world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Whatever your team, your sport, your ability, improve your game and train like a pro. Reactions, performance, accuracy, stamina, resilience. Train at home in the Rezzo Sports and Fitness VR training arena. Search Rezzo, R-E-Z-Z-I-L. The world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Available now on MetaQuest. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. I'm delighted to welcome back onto the podcast. It's been far too long. Tom Little, Tom, how are we doing? I'm great, thanks, mate. You're the first one to have me back on, so uh, I don't know if that makes you an idiot or what, but uh, everyone else has not invited me back, so <laughs> take from that what you will, mate, but no, I'm, I'm buzzing to come back on, pal. Uh, you've done unbelievable with the show. Just We were just chatting before, but it's... Uh, it's true that you've had some incredible guests and, and just carrying on going here. So I doffed my cap to you, mate, and I'm very grateful for letting me come back on. Not at all, mate. There's loads we can cover in this one. Um, and I'm delighted to tie you down because we've got some good stuff to cover. But just before we get into the topics that we're going to talk about, I know we have done a podcast before and I'll put the link into the previous ones. People can go back and listen to that. And it is actually a podcast I reference a lot in podcast because of the topics we talked about around managing the microcycle. Um, so I do recommend people to go and give that a listen. It's probably going to be a little bit different to the chat today. But do you want to just give us a little bit, a bit of background, but mainly an update on your situation and where you're at now? 
Yeah, super short version. So um performance coach, been working in mainly elite football for I think this is my 24th or 25th season coming up now. So yeah, mainly in English, dotted around the championship mainly, but a few flirts with the premiership. Um, and within that journey as well, I also founded a nutritional app called Colourfit, which is now rebranded to Hero Pro. Um, and I've just written a new book. So that's another one for the CV. Um, but yeah, that's the short version. Awesome, mate. And just, uh, we are going to get into the book in a little bit, um, which is absolutely quality, by the way. And we will get into a little bit about what that's all about and all the rest of it. But the new role, talk to me about the new role. How's it gone? How have you settled in? What's been the approach going into it? Yeah, so I'm head of performance at Sheffield United now. I'm just absolutely loving it, to be honest. It was a, it was a whirlwind, to say the least, at first. So I'm just about calming down to a fit, but it's brilliant, mate. It's it's just elite. It's got that vibe about it that just totally got my mojo going. So there's everything's just big. There's great departments across all your facets of football, from scouting, analysis, medicals, fantastic. Obviously, the coaching's really good. I know the two coaches there, finally being an old fart, is paying off because I had Hecky as a manager, a player, sorry. Paul Heckingbottom, I should say, is a player at Barnsley, and I had Jack Lester as a player at Forest. So they both worked under me and obviously liked something about what I did. So that was really handy to have that previous relationship in there. And then what I'm heading up, the performance staff, I've got to say, I'm, I'm landed on my feet so much there. So some unbelievable practitioners. I've got uh, Nathan Winder there. I've got Rob Rayner there. I've got Lee Rickards there and Lee McMahon, all in quite specialist roles, but they're all unbelievable generalists as well. So they know how each department interacts. So just something when we're bouncing ideas off each other, there's great ideas coming from everybody. So it's a real... I'm in there as a leader, but it's a real democracy in there as well because the content coming from them is so good. And they are great practitioners in what they've done. They've got the team promoted to the Premier League. They've stayed in the Premier League with an unbelievable overachieving season as well. So you know there's good practices going on there. I just need to come back in, lead the team, give it a, a bit more clarity and just try and make those small tweaks to make improvements as we go on. But overall, yeah, absolutely delighted. Facilities, to be honest, are a little bit challenging, not what you'd expect of a club that's got promoted and stayed there. Um, but again, that's another challenge for me is leading the department. How can I tweak that to make it better in the short term? And then is it going to be um, a bigger picture in the long term? <laughs> I think it'll rely on promotion, to be honest, but that'll be something I'll be looking to develop if I can. Brilliant. I've asked this to quite a few people, but it'd be interesting coming from yourself with your experience in the game, being at different clubs, with different coaches. When you go into this new role, because you were at Preston for how long? Uh, eight seasons. So a fair chunk of time being at one club, obviously under different coaches and that as well. But then moving into a new role, obviously new place, new facilities, new staff. What's the initial approach in your mind um, going into that? Obviously, you might know staff members, they're going, they're going to know your work, but what's the approach going in? Well, I've definitely made mistakes in doing it. So I've, I have had a number of clubs in there and I'd like to think I've learned from them. Certainly where I've been in before, 
I've never gone in and said, right, it's my way. This in the this is the this or the highway. But I have gone in and gone right. I want to implement this that I believe in that I've done before. Consulted with the relevant state parties within there, and as long as they said, oh, it looks okay, I, I've gone with that straight away. Rather than looking what's already in place and going on at that club and having respect that those practices might be A, really good and B, kind of really relevant to the environment that's going on there. So I have gone in and maybe ruffled a few too many feathers taking that approach, even though in my mind, I thought I was being all encompassing and kind of doing it as a collective team rather than being autocratic. Um, so this time I've taken my time a little bit more in the practice and just gathered as much background information as I've been possible to do. So I got every member of staff, particularly in the performance team, to write a job description, to do an audit of their department, um, and then just gradually took my time to look at the environment as, as the practices go on and see what's good, what could potentially tweak. What are our easy wins? What are our priorities that might be long-term that we can then concentrate our resources on? So a bit slower now, a bit more thoughtful, a bit more respectful for the environment and all the nuances that are going on, respectful for what great practitioners that they are as well. And like I said, just finding those easy wins gradual tweaks and anything that does obviously stand out as a leader, you need to make those kind of brave decisions to change them. But thankfully, like I said, there's loads of good stuff at Sheffield United. So it's more along the nice tweaks that are going on. And for example, like a, a story with that from learning for different departments, I kind of bat, there was a, a big testing culture at Sheffield United when I went in, so first day, there's lots of testing going on. There's kind of the dentists there, the chiropractors there. We've got three force plates going, a Kangatech, um, an Nordboard, um, two different uh, gym aware devices going on, a lot of testing. And I, before that, it's like, I like to minimize my testing because I think if you're not going to do stuff with the data, then what's the point? You're just collecting it for collective sake. So I was looking at all this and I'm like, there's no way you're acting upon all this data. I think it's just too much. But actually seeing that unfold, it was incredibly impressive. And loads of it was the things that you won't necessarily have to act on, but will be super useful for return from injury markers in relating to all different muscular strength levels and the like. So again, take your time. You learn, every day is a learning experience. And you when you let the environment unfold you'll be surprised what you learn sometimes and, and unfold some of your biases that we ha we all have yeah that's a great point and what about in terms of personal relationships Tom as well so when you when you go in you've mentioned the, the staff that are in there already you've also mentioned the, the writing down the job descriptions and and taking that approach with them I suppose this is going to be now for the next few weeks and months that you're going to be re really building this bond, not only as a team, but also individually as well. What's the approach going in with those staff members now? As What you can talk about on here, maybe. <laughs> yeah, just making it clear that you're there to support them, to make the department better, take on, on their 
a lot of their value. So listen to what they've got to say and try and, like I said, have quite a democratic environment, long as that's actually working. So it, it's a, again, it's a bit of a slow builder on relationships and just being the normal stuff like you are with anyone trying to be highly personable. There'll be social events going on. Just try and be make it a, a fun and enjoyable environment, but that but is still elitist at the same time. So I think it's just commonsensical things as much as possible that you don't necessarily need in a football environment. You just need it. In everyday life, it can be any lines of business, meeting somebody, meeting new family, whatever it is. You've just got to be kind of personal as you can be and uh, be interested in their opinions and all the likes that comes with that. Yeah, brilliant. And we've mentioned before about the time at, at Preston, um, some unbelievable seasons bunched into those eight years, isn't there? And I know a lot of great staff members over there as well, but basically led by yourself, which is an incredible job. So what are some of your reflections of your time there, mate? Um, overall, loved my time there. Like I said, so lucky to have eight seasons at one club because it is traumatic when you're that field person, you can be replaced. So ever so thankful for the club. We didn't have a big changeover of managers because we were reasonably successful, but they stood by me on all those changes um, proud of certainly quite a lot of it if I look where the department was to how I left it. Um, the database development, we developed a really like high level a um, AMS by the end of it, where I took the nutrition provision from, uh, the promotion, obviously. Um, I would say, well, I know for definite, we're always punching above our weight in, in terms of budget of players' wages and what we we're spending on players. Um, so proud in that respect. I think I'm really honest with myself. Um, I rested on my laurels a little bit around when it came to kind of COVID time and we had so many games a week. I think I just became a little bit too modest in what I was doing. And I keep on mentioning this word, but it's just like become so apparent when I've got I've gone into Sheffield, this kind of elite environment where you're pushing players pushing the environment, pushing staff all the time. I was more kind of, well, there's that many get games, we can't train them that, that hard. It's all about availability. We've limited finances in, in terms of getting some of the more elite structures around there. Although they were, were very supportive where you could make a good argument and it was financially viable for the club. But I think I, might, I just became a little bit too safe and modest in that last part of the journey post-COVID. Um, so a little bit regretful of that overall, um, but the big, big picture again, a, a time that I loved and I'm super proud of. That, do you not think that also underlines the importance of changing the environment sometimes? And I mean, by like you being out now at a different club, um, completely different environment, there is, there is real, because people argue, don't they, to stay at a club? Um, because there are going to be transitions along the way staying at that same club or completely changing like what you've done. There is value to that as well, isn't there? It is a challenge if you're staying at the new club. It's just so much inherently easier if you do go to a new environment to reinvigorate your spirits and look at new challenges and really assess everything and, and go from there. You, when you're there for a long time, you almost know the environment. You're part of the environment so much that you don't, actively act on 
where there can be changes and again you gather biases as you're going on from yourself from other members of staff as well we always did things like audits i had an external audit in there as well so we did we took levels to try and push that environment but it's a real real skill and if you read a lot of leadership books just the they describe how hard it is but ways of doing it if you read legacy and things like that even though the All Blacks are the greatest team in the world, they're always reinventing because their yeah. uh, culture was, if you're standing still, you're going backwards because everyone's always pushing at the elite level. Um, so it's harder to do. It is possible when you, you stay at a club, but it requires a lot of skill and reflection, uh, potentially external sources to come in and help you to do it at a really high level. Yeah, no, I agree. Awesome. and then. Going back to Sheffield United now, the um, is there any changes and maybe lessons from your time at Preston that you're going to implement or look to implement with Sheffield United? Just, I'm going to be all in this word, but like, we're going for it. We're not singing a shouting about how good we are or anything, but we believe that we can do really well this season and how that comes out. Who'll wait and see, but we believe we've got a culture, we've got the players, we've got the staff to drive us on to success. Um, a lot of development plans, so it's all we really want to push to make players better. But and that might not be just training based, it could be lifestyle, it could be nutrition, it could be social factors. We've done, I've already worked through a lot of forms to get what they believe the culture and what our strengths are. Um, things like getting them to write a story to themselves for the end of the season about how what they've achieved and how they've done it. Um, is this players, Tom, or staff? Yeah, this is players. Players, yeah. Um, we're going to do it with the staff as well. <laughs> they don't know yet, so yeah. we'll see if they're listening to this. Um, <laughs> like um, development areas, we've all... Each coach has got a area of players that they're going to work with and they've been assigned as um, a performance member of staff so we're going to have these focus groups where we bring the players in and, and gather what they want to work of and give them our opinion so there'll be a lot of kind of work around what's the right thing to do getting their buy-in but then executing it that's the, the big thing it's not just ideas it's we are executing it and we've got the staff and the buy-in to do that, led by Eki at the, the top, he's super keen to get these things going. So, yeah, lot, lots of focus on developing the individual players. And I think a big one, again, it's handy that I know um, the manager and assistant manager, but I like just getting myself so aligned to what they want and their philosophies in the language that we use to the players. So they've done some great presentations and then we had a... Uh, meeting as a performance staff where we used all the language from their presentations and, and took it into what we're going to say to the players and, and things like our posters and wall of words and things like that. So there's a real commonality in our language and there's that transfer all the time of doing things. You're doing it for a performance uh, perspective, but it's always to make you a better footballer. That transition is super clear by having that clear alignment. That's sometimes difficult to do, um, but like I say, I'm really uh, advantageous. I've got that relationship already. I've been brought in to lead the department and our culture of our offices is everybody's in together. The manager's 
in and out constantly. The coaches are just over there. The medical team are over there. So that kind of holistic approach of getting everything aligned and focused, it, it, it's been it's been really good and something that we want to drive and that we're able to do. These all sound like small factors, don't they? But they're huge in terms of like the office setup, in terms of language and things like that. They can probably be really easily overlooked, can't they? But in yeah. terms of you just mentioned legacy and culture, like essentially this for me is what it is, isn't it? Like this is where culture can be created because you're setting these foundations. Yeah. As long as it turns into behaviours, it's got to be yeah. action. So it drives in the end and our thoughts and behaviours should lead to actions, but it's not always the case. So we're, we're about executing basically. So all these ideas now we've talked about and gathered our where we're coming from, what we want to do, right, bam, 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 we're getting on with these and everybody's accountable. Yeah, class, mate. Listen, let's talk about this because I was lucky enough to receive one and honestly, mate, the standard of it is absolutely class. Um, I put a little tweet out on, on social media saying I wouldn't expect anything less from you, but it is absolutely quality. But just to start with, obviously, you've touched on Colour Fit and talked about the rebrand and stuff like that. But do you want to just give a little bit of background into where that came from initially, and then we'll talk about the book? Yeah, we talked about it on the show, so I won't go into it too much. But obviously, nutrition is something that I had to take care of. We do have um, specialist performance nutritionists working in the club now, but certainly back in the day, it'd fall under you as a fitness coach or performance coach, whatever you labelled self to do that. And it was just such an unbelievably hard area to improve despite like throwing so many resources so, so the, the young lads the genetically gifted the wealthy so they're eating out all the time and, and they almost just got away with a poor diet so it's something I found just incredibly frustrating and they say like frustration is the mother invention and thankfully it was with me so I wanted to come up with a concept that basically made carb periodization super simple and just choosing what the most appropriate meals for whatever goal you had as nutrition, really, really simple, intuitive. So we, we started to kind of categorize all meals into these elements of are they going to help your performance? Are they going to improve your health? Are they going to help your body composition? And we'd shape these into uh, what looks like a pie chart. So proportions of how much a meal affects each goal. And then calories are obviously super important. So we had this outside of the pie chart that is a, a dead like a speed dial for an intuitive measure of calories and thankfully by almost by accident it looked like a plate it looked pretty cool and related to nutrition so we put kind of we decided we want to focus on health we want to focus on body composition and we want to focus on performance which are the three main elements definitely for athletes but for everybody as well um so each one was categorized into these sections and then we'd put like colors icons names that made it super intuitive so it came about like i wanted something intuitive because i saw my six-year-old son just messing about my phone and it was like he just knew what to do all the time so i'm coming up with these ideas for intuitive methods and he was clambering on my shoulders like six-year-old and he started to say that one makes you run that one's makes you healthy so i was like buzzing i might have a chance with footballers here <laughs> so we had this color fit um 
plate method, which really helped you choose meals. Um, but that was like, only half the battleground. The big thing was like the players just didn't have the practical skills or the confidence to make the meals. So we were still struggling a little bit. So we decided, right, got this big meal library. Let's just start making simplistic videos for each one. And that was a big turning point. All of a sudden where I just couldn't engage some players, they were starting to give it a go. It was a conversation point in the breakfast bar. So I was like, bloody hell, I think I'm onto something here. And then that just developed. We developed it really cheap on Google Drive. I thought, I'll try it with a few links in football and just Jet Sport in general. The uptake was good. Wanted to take it into a bespoke app. Obviously, it's just little old me and working full time. So I combined with a company called uh, Hero Wellbeing. They took my colour fit aspect into their holistic wellbeing app as a nutrition. And then it existed as a nutrition part on its own in pro sport, which rebranded into something called Hero Pro. So it had the things that we've talked about there, but it's also got like... A meal database, it's got barcode function, it's got shopping list function where you can get it delivered to your door. We've got all these other education pieces, so things called meal builders, which is trying to teach you cooking independence for a huge variety of different meals rather than just following recipes. Loads and loads of infographics that we try to keep uh, super practical. And also, the it's got a meal logger, so a bit like my fitness pal, but the beauty of ours is that you can go on and use it as a meal planner in the future and you can allow an expert to come on it and review what you've done and also write your meal plans. You've got that kind of behavioural loop of like planning, review and execution in there when it comes to nutrition behaviour. So basically, we've tried to take out every excuse that a footballer could come up with why they're not following a half-decent uh, nutritional plan. And we also have meal prep in there, which is the final piece for the ultimate lazy gets. Um, but yeah, that was the final. So it's a pretty holistic point. But I knew right from the beginning, this isn't just for elite athletes. It was just where, where I got my network and where I'm from. It's for everybody. Everybody's got goals around the health, around definitely around the body shape when it comes to the general public, but also performance. There's loads of weekend warriors out there, but it's not just performance. It's kind of to marry your activity levels. So when you're active, have these kind of foods, and when you're not, lessen them and have these more foods that are going to promote you being healthy and keep a good, good body composition as well. So it was for everyone. And like, like I mentioned, an app's really difficult. So I knew we didn't have the finances to tackle the general public market. So I just thought the book is definitely a really good avenue and just totally winged it. I thought, who writes nutrition books? Joe Wicks got on who's his publishing agent, got onto this guy called Jonathan Conway, who's absolutely fantastic, a literary agency. He loved it and took it to the publishers. That's been a long journey since then because of COVID and, and other things. But... Yeah, it, it, it's come to the book. And I must say, I, lo I lost my mojo a bit with it because it took me, it was just, you do as these things go on and it took so long. But yeah, when I got it back from the publishers and like you say, they've just done such an unbelievable job with the design and the editorial team advised me so well about making it simplistic and appealing to the general public as much as possible would go on. I'm, I'm delighted with it and I think... Yeah, the design's really good. It's dead visual, um, but it's got all those things that make the 
the whole concept stand out. So it's got the cool fit plate methodology. It's got all the video links to all the meals. So it makes it super practical as well. All the recipes are super easy. There's the meal builders are in there. But what the publishers also wanted, they wanted training in there. And I was like, oh, right, brilliant. Because <laughs> that, that's pretty you much know what a bit I about that. <laughs> so it was like, right, design a load of training plans. Yeah. It can be for kind of long, there's ones in for body shape, losing weight, gaining muscle, there's ones for health, and then there's various different sports in there. So they've all got kind of a nutrition and a training plan associated with them. We invented something very similar to the Colour Fit methodology for training. So it just makes it dead intuitive what type of training you're going to do and how hard it's going to be. To make it super practical, we did videos for all the kind of exercises and all the different circuits that are in there as well. So simple and practical again. And then we just give each other one a bit more detailed background info so people could not just follow something, they can know why it is what it is and then fit it into their unique lifestyle and their goals. So there's a good little bit for everyone. There's a good bit of the background of why the training is the training and why the nutrition is is the nutrition so like i said they can take it and put it into their lives to suit their kind of lifestyle their activities their goals their economic circumstances or all the above so yeah pretty tough with it no mate honestly it's it, the standard of it's brilliant and i think just on reflection i think the, the great thing about it is it gets into the nitty-gritty of what people want to know straight away because you can have big conversations about nutrition, can't you? And all the benefits and you can go into all the science, which there is in it, it is in here when you look for it. But initially you get hit with recipes and is breakfast ideas and is smoothie ideas and is ideas for your evening meal, which is essentially what anyone wants, not just players, isn't it? We want to know what to eat and when. And yeah. I think that that's the practicality of it. Like I left it on the table earlier the other day and my missus walked past me like, oh, what's this? And started looking through it because it is, it's there. The, the pictures are there. It's so easy to follow. And essentially that's what people want. They want something that's really easy and just to be told what to do, don't they? And then, like I said, if you want the extra information, which you've touched on, which is all in here, you can, you can look through and you can read and you can get what you want from it then as well, can't you? Yeah. It's my other buzzword. It's execution at the moment. You can still have swallowed a few leadership books at the moment. <laughs> but knowledge is all well and good. And most people know how to, what's good and bad food. It's doing it. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's making those behaviours really simplistic and practical to, to, to drive them to do it. Um, so, yeah, I, I always try and be as practical as I can. I've had a fair few people reaching out on social media recently saying that they'd love to get to our networking events, but they're just not able to, whether that's the location, the time or whatever, and they want access to the presentations. The good news is, regardless of whether you come to the event or not, the presentations at our events get recorded and they get uploaded onto our online community. So there's already a number of presentations on there available right now for you to go and check out. And the upcoming events that we're running as well and the presentations from those events will be uploaded too along with the webinars along with the member benefits and the whatsapp group and everything that comes with the community as well so if you're not a member make sure you come and join us go to footballfitfed.com click the community tab and sign yourself up there that'll give you a free month 
After that free month, it's only £4.99 per month going forward and you'll get continued access to everything that's on there. And like I just said, all future content as well. So go and grab yourself the 30-day free trial at footballfitfed.com. Sign yourself up there. Here's part two of the podcast with Head of Performance at Sheffield United, Tom Little. I think the other uh, myth around nutrition is that you have to be like a, a chef to be preparing good food. And obviously there's stuff in here where you probably do need a, a few more skills than others, isn't there? But there's also real simple recipes in here that are going to give you everything that you need, aren't there? So like people don't have to be amazing in the kitchen, do they? To get end up with some of these dishes that you've got here that are going to give you everything you need. Yeah, that was our core philosophy. Every meal had to be simplistic and they also had to have a health or performance angle to them. So we try to just strip out kind of intimidating unnecessary ingredients and minimize them but at the same time make sure they taste good because if they don't taste good people ain't gonna do them again that's yeah. for so that that's a core element but yeah that it's just inherent in there and that it's good for economics as well everybody's going through tough times with food at the moment but it automatically lends itself to being super affordable because it is just natural ingredients minimized down to maximize taste yeah 100 percent Tom, where did they get them? Where did they get the copy of the book? Um, Amazon's your best bet. So uh, I'll send you a link that you can put on the show notes, mate. But if you just put in the colourful method in Amazon, you'll see it come up. And then most bookstores are, are stocking it, particularly at the moment. So if you go into any of the well-known ones, hopefully you'll be able to grab a copy. The only disappointment is it's the only picture of you is on the back. I was expecting a, a big one on the front. Well, it's a little one inside. <laughs> like today, I gelled my hair and everything. So uh, I'd right go on that and I end out with wrinkles on my forehead. I've not been able to do that today, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, like the picture I sent you is, is a bit of an old picture, that. But uh, yeah, this video will find me out, unfortunately. But yeah, it's good. And it's a decent discount on at the moment of Amazon as well. So you can get 28% off. So not a bad time to dip in. Brilliant, mate. No, congratulations on it. It's a, it is a top, top resource. And uh, something I encourage not just coaches and players to go and check out, but literally anyone really, isn't it? Anyone can benefit from it. So, yeah, go and, go and check it out. And I will post the link in, in the show notes as well. So we finished these podcasts now with some quick fire questions. So we'll run through these and then I'll let you go and sunbathe for the rest of the day. Um, I'm hiding in the shade. Don't worry about that. Okay. <laughs> We've got a game tonight, actually. We've, uh, yeah, it's a panic station for that one. Oh, God. Um, you can take, get your umbrella ready then. Um, first thing, which will be really interesting for yourself, who are some of the biggest influences on your career so far? Oh, biggest influences. Right uh, back when I started, I think there's some real sem seminal pieces in uh, fitness for football uh, that are still highly relevant today. So uh, Bangs Bowl's work, he just done it, finished his PhD and wrote his book and I still follow the vast majority of philosophies in there. And then uh, Raymond Verheinen, I've probably bastardised his second name there. I've been told I've done that several times, but everyone knows who I mean. He His classification into different energy systems and how we to relay that for football drills really spoke out to me. Um, Bangsbo was uh, advocating that as well, but his classification and making it really aligned with football spoke to me a lot. Um 
then I think, obviously, overall, super books at the time, I thought um, periodization was a massive one for me by Bumper. Um, super training by Mel Sif was just, it's incredible. You have to read it every page twice. It's that complicated, but just an absolute sem seminal book. And then I think um, just ongoing, I think, for strength training, Dan Baker and Mike Boyle are, are massive influences on me. And then from a fitness perspective, um, Martin Bashait and Veronica Belay, their work around high intensity has been really influential on what I've done. And then I'd have to say all the all the coach the coaches and managers that I've come across, they're they're not just the age of the dinosaur is gone now. They're like really bright people, been really edu well educated in all facets to get to that role. And they've got a wealth of experience starting from when they started as footballers. So they've been exposed to multiple environments and, and took many lessons from them. So re you can learn so much from players, coaches, managers. Yeah, 100%. What would you say your biggest strength is as a practitioner? Um, I think innovative problem solving. So there's issues around if you're using any kind of football for combined conditioning training, there are elements in the environment that just make it a bit harder to select what is going to be appropriate and then how to shape that to be the right intensity. Then how do you put the right structure on that for the intensity based on how many teams you have, how many different drills that they're doing. So I was really inventive and invented a computer program to help select that and a matrix system to help select that so you can really think on your toes. And then just experience, I think, of just being a, a true generalist. So, like I said, you had to do everything when I first started. So it was a, a necessarily for the job. So I basically worked as a physio before. Um, been a reserve in there. I've before nutritionist. So you asked me to do anything within a, a football or performance realm. So, right take any type of session and you don't know how many numbers you get or what you're going to get. I can kind of do that. I can take screening um, can, in the strength room, super comfortable, obviously nutrition, I'm super comfortable. More and more learning about leadership and all the areas are around there, but I've been around departments to that. So I think just that real respect and knowing how all the different departments come together and work, I, th I think that's probably my biggest strength. Brilliant. And then taking you back a few years, Tom, starting out in, in your career, before you landed that very first role, what would your advice be to that Tom back then? Oh, God, it's so different now. I was just so lucky. It was a, I said it on the first podcast, but it was a newspaper advertisement, which like must make new practitioners absolutely sick. <laughs> um, but... I think I'd say something that I think I have lived, just genuinely try and help people and you'll be okay. If your objective is not about yourself and making you look good, it's about trying to help your players, trying to help your, your fellow members of staff and the like, you're not going to go far wrong with that. Um, another bit of advice might be that just, if you're going to go to the top of the tree, in performance, you might have to move house and make sacrifices on that. I chose never to do that. I've always lived in the same place. Um, but I, I stand that by a decision because friends and family were my priority and a huge part of life. Life's not just 
work well it's that that is that is massive but life's so much more beyond that so that was my choice um but i think if you're someone that's super ambitious and you're setting sights to i want to be a barcelona i want to be multiple sports I want to go to the mls whatever it is you have to accept that you're gonna to have to make sacrifices in terms of family and friends yeah great advice and then just finally mate what's your approach now to cpd continue learning like how do you go about that mainly through um podcasts and audible and like oh um audible versions of, of learning i'm not the best learner for that i must admit i'm much better reading but it's just so convenient now when there's yeah. so many great resources like your podcasts um on audible lots and lots of books so like i said i'm churning through about one leadership book a week at the moment um but it, it's just such a convenient method because you're in the car quite a bit working out quite a bit on my bike i'm running it's just something that you can feed in and and then when you're with your family you can be with your family um so that's a that's a really good methodology and then just one to bring multiple resources together and review i always like the um journal of sports science for that one and um, there's lots of publications that are, are more kind of review based um i don't get too much into the singular papers these days unless i've got really specific interest um so fact there's loads of good resources out there sportsmith has uh, become a good one recently for they pull all lots of research together and they have uh, experts coming on doing really practical um based pieces of work so yeah there's lots out there there's too much out there though you can just, just like even on social media, you can just get down a rabbit hole that you yeah. you sometimes can't get out of. So be aware of that as well. This might be a tough one to wrap us up, but give us one book recommendation. You mentioned about a few leadership books recently. You talked about Legacy. Is there any others that stand out for you? Oh, I love Legacy just because the guy on Audible, he's a um, New native New Zealander, a Maori guy. So you're just getting into it when he was doing all the Maori <laughs> stuff. So I love that. It's a great book in here. But one I'm on at the moment, I'm an absolute bullet point guy. Like you could say it quickly, that's me all day. And it's called No Bullshit Leadership. So I'm okay. quite enjoying that one. I'm, I'm, I haven't finished it, but I'm in the midst of it. And uh, that's where I got my execute from at the moment that I'm going around. People must think I've got it in for somebody. <laughs> Somebody's going to get their head chopped off somewhere because I'm just <laughs> executing everywhere we go in life. But uh, yeah, that, that that's a good one. That's got to be followed with a T-shirt you start wearing somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a new word soon. <laughs> Class, mate. Tom, thank you for your time. That was great to catch up. And um, yeah, I recommend everyone to go and check the book out as well. Just give us, just to wrap us up, what's your socials? Um, on Twitter and Insta, and I think Facebook as well, it's at Hero Pro Sports. And then on LinkedIn, it's... Um, just my name, Thomas Little. So you'll yeah. fi find me on there. And if you want to drop me a line, it's tom.little at sky.com. That's a, a dead easy way of uh, finding me as well. Brilliant, mate. We really appreciate you doing it. And it was good to catch up. No, I'm really super grateful for coming on, mate. Like I said, keep up the excellent work. You're a brilliant resource for everybody uh, that's in the football world. So yeah, long may continue, pal.
Thanks, Tom. All right. Take care, mate. Thank you for listening to episode 197 and a big thanks to Tom as well for coming on the podcast. It was really great to catch up with him. And I know we don't push too many products on this podcast, but when we do, I'd like you to support the people that come on because I know Tom's put a lot of time and effort and like he said in it, there's a fair few years of work that have gone into this book. And honestly, it's absolutely top quality. So go and check it out. I've put the link in the show notes. so You can click it and get your copy there. Um, but then also send it out to people because I said at the start of the podcast, this isn't just for players. This is for literally anyone. I think anyone can benefit from this from this resource, this book. So um, we're trying a few of the recipes at home already as a family. So yeah, it'd be good to hear from anyone else that's, that's took, um, took any recipes and tried any of it from the book as well. And I'm sure Tom would like to hear the feedback on it as well. But takeaways from the episode, um, what was really interesting was talking about his approach going into Chef United, how he used to be um, going a little bit more of a, a straightforward approach where he didn't implement his f- uh, philosophy from early on. He'd take that approach where it was like, we've done this this way before and this is the approach we're going to take. And now it's a little bit more, he's taking a little bit more of a stand back approach, seeing what's going on there, appreciating the quality work that's being done at the club and then seeing where he can tweak things. So even from a really experienced practitioner like Tom, it's just interesting to hear those different approaches and the way that's changed um, throughout his career as well. And then the biggest one for me on this was, I don't know whether you picked it up, but when Tom was talking about his career, he spoke about prioritising staying at home with the family. I think it was towards the end of the podcast. And this ties in really, really nicely with the previous episode with uh, Dan Howells, where we spoke about career periodization. And Dan obviously speaks about personal and professional needs and wants. And we speak a lot about the professional side in terms of what you want from your career. I want to be in this role. I want to be work under this title or with this group of players or whatever it is. I think we forget about the personal. And it's just really interesting to hear that Tom hasn't forgot about that. And that was a big part of staying in roles and um, the jobs that he has taken. That's obviously something that has been at the front of his mind. That he, he didn't want it to disrupt family life. That's a big part of what he's doing and why he goes to these certain roles so it was really really nice to see and obviously something we didn't have planned with the two podcasts being back to back but it definitely ties in with episode 196 with um with Dan Howes and everything that he was speaking about so big thanks again for uh, to Tom for coming on and giving up his time go and check him out I know he gave the Hero Pro Sport um, Instagram and Twitter, but you can go and give him a follow on Twitter as well. He's Dr. Little Tom over on, on Twitter. So give him a follow, show him a bit of support with the book. And I will speak to you again next week. Another big guest coming for episode 198.